This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey guys, quick thing. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another show, for another episode of our Let's Talk Arsenal series. I'm joined by Ben Jacobs from CBS Sports. Ben, how are you doing, mate? Are you well? I'm good. Happy New Year, Tom, and to everybody watching as well. Yeah, Happy New Year. Was it a good one? I mean, it's obviously there's, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world at the moment, but did we still manage to enjoy the New Year and bring it in well? Yeah, it was decent. I mean, I look at it as a football fan and following Leicester. It was great when we beat Liverpool, but then Ricardo, one of our better players in a very thin defence, already broke his leg. So that was a mixture of good and bad. And then on a personal level, it was just nice to kind of see the family. But it was quiet. And obviously, as a sports journalist, this is a busy time of year. It is, yes. Uh, the busiest in January for, for many people. And we've been, I mean, we do daily shows talking about transfers, so it's been absolutely crazy. But you, you've kind of jumped onto the scene of a lot of Arsenal fans recently on social media uh, through your coverage of the protracted pursuit from Arsenal of Dusan Vlaovic, uh, or Dusan Vlaovic, as I'm told is better pronunciation. Um, it's an interesting one. I've got a fair few questions, but just to kind of kick things off, could you kind of give your best understanding of what the current situation is with the Serbian striker? So the current situation hasn't hugely changed over the last 48 hours. Edu and Arsenal are pushing very hard. And my understanding remains that Mikel Arteta sees Vlaovic as his number one striker choice ahead of Isaac or Dominic Calvert-Lewin or any other names that are being linked. Now, Naturally, that can be quite a fluid situation because what you find in retrospect over transfer windows is when a manager doesn't get his top target, the number two and the number three are, of course, who they always wanted all along. And that's part of the complicated narrative. But the most interesting backstory to this is that Arsenal have changed their tune. So Vlaevich was a player that really they've been chasing for quite some time and they were relatively confident of getting in the summer. But now the league form's improved and they're challenging for Champions League football. They've accelerated the pursuit of him and are pushing what I would term very hard in the January transfer window. And Mm. the offer that's been prepared, as has now been widely reported, is something in the region of 45 million with a player addition on top of that. And obviously, 
the fact that the player in question is already a Fiorentina loanee allows that relationship with Fiorentina. And they're relatively comfortable with that kind of dynamic that's been prepared because they know Torreira well. And in addition to that, mm. they probably have a private acceptance that Vlevich is a player that they're going to lose. What complicates the situation is the fact that they're in no rush. And I've said that many times over the course of the last week or so. They will bide their time and they are not hell-bent on a cash-plus player deal, but mm. it adds an element of depth. And as I say, he's the player that's made 16 appearances for Fiorentina and they're pushing for Europe themselves. So they see him as a part of their squad as they look to try and qualify for the Europa League or potentially better. The challenge is that Fiorentina could wait until the summer. And the longer this deal is left, the more you will see other suitors circling. So Arsenal are in a kind of pivotal position. It's a case of how aggressive they're prepared to be and how quickly they might move in the market. Because right now, in terms of the actual offer and package, they're probably ahead of the game. And even though Juventus are serious contenders and Vlaevic may simply want to, on a personal level, stay within Serie A, he may feel comfortable and believe that that's a better route in the long term to Champions League football. Arsenal can put together right now, as of today, the most ambitious package. Mm. However, the reports that Vlaevic's agent is cold on Arsenal and the notion the player himself doesn't rank Arsenal as his number one destination, are also correct. So Arsenal have to do some selling. In other words, they believe right now in January, he is their top forward. But even if they have the money, even if they have the sway with Fiorentina, there's still a fair amount of work to do to try and persuade the agent and the player that this is a deal worth taking forward to fruition. Do you think that that selling comes down to a combination of factors, be it wages, be it selling them the idea that Arsenal is a club that's going to be able to establish themselves with the help of Vlaovic back in the Champions League on a regular basis? And do you think that there is also an element of the kind of the, the public knowledge that's going around about this deal being used to entice other teams to come in for Vlaovic and also to entice the idea of Vlaovic seeking out better and more prestigious alternatives? Yeah, I think it's harsh to say Arsenal isn't a prestigious alternative. <laughs> Don't have you, to tell me that. <laughs> when you look at the history, everyone knows mm. what a great and historic club it is. And if you take the flip side view and say, well, history doesn't matter anymore, then yeah. Arsenal are in a stronger position for Champions League football than they have been in seasons gone by at this stage of the season, whether they've ended up being in the top four or not. Even going back to Wenger, the momentum they've got into the second half of the season right now, it gives them a great opportunity of a top four finish. And if mm. the plan works over time under Arteta, the strategy of the football club is also there to have them top four. Now, I accept that if your other options hypothetically or practically in this sense are Juventus, definitely interested, Atletico Madrid, very possibly interested, that there is a higher statistical chance of being in the Champions League season in, season out. But if he's looking to move now and you're asking me, are Arsenal going to be in the Champions League next season? 
or Juventus going to be in the Champions League mm. next season. I'd be tipping Arsenal over Juventus because Juventus have fallen outside the top four in Italy and a gap is starting to grow and there's a feel-good factor about Arsenal. So I think what's putting Vlaevic off the move is a number of factors. One, taking away the footballer aspect, look at the personal weight of a move for a 21-year-old in the middle of a pandemic versus going to Juventus, a club he knows, in a part of Italy that he likes, in a mm. climate that he's familiar with, in a league where he's red hot. Or, of course, just staying at Fiorentina during the summer and then working out what having a good second half of the season gets him in terms of offers because there'll be six or seven other suitors circling at that point. And sometimes I think that we only look at the club and the money and the wage mm. and then the footballer's stats and we forget about a mid-season move being difficult for a young footballer. And if he flops or doesn't play as much or it doesn't work, then suddenly there can be question marks over that longer term potential. So hopefully he's receiving sensible advice. But I think when Arsenal negotiate, they don't necessarily need to blow their suitors out the water with a wage yeah. offer. What they need to do is sell the football club. And by sell the football club, I don't mean the prestige and the history of the football club. I mean his fit in the football club right yeah. now. So if you take Spurs and Arsenal together, because Tottenham have also been circling Vlaevic, but at the moment it's not a player that Antonio Conte wants to pursue specifically in January, the summer might change that, which again is why Arsenal need to act fast because there's not as many suitors mm. now as I think there will be in the summer. But if you take those two clubs and we talk about fit and coming back to your question, why is Vlaevic going to pick Arsenal? He's going to choose Arsenal because, yes, European football, that's a big factor, and also because he feels like he's going to play and suit the system. So the reason that Vlaevic has concerns over Tottenham at the moment is because if he comes in, he might mm. prove an understudy to Harry Kane. And Mikel Arteta, or those connected with Arsenal, Edu, if he's the main point of contact, need to be explaining clearly and frankly the situation with Aubameyang, who is widely thought to be leaving Arsenal. But he's got COVID, he's at the Africa Cup of Nations, he could easily still end up returning to Arsenal and that not being done until the summer, Arsenal might run out of time on that. So if they're both at the football club, where's the fit? And then even with other players that Vlaevic probably thinks he would be ahead of in the pecking order, there needs to be clarity over, is Eddie and Ketia going or staying? Again, likely to be sold, but mm. I that Mikel Arteta is going to be getting rid of two of his strikers without lining up a replacement. So if Vlaevic is that replacement, Arsenal need to explain that. And then probably the final thing, which sounds a bit strange, I know, is just what responsibilities you're going to have on the field. And when you look at Vlaevic's stats, the only concern to Arsenal fans is that historically, even though it's partly down to Fiorentina's system, he doesn't actually have that many shots on goal. So he's clinical. Mm. He basically scores historically over his career in every other game. But a big percentage of his goals have been from the penalty spot, which he said openly have bred confidence as well. So therefore, when he comes to Arsenal, is he going to be on penalties? Let's be honest, probably not walking straight through the door. And then he doesn't have that many shots on goal compared to the elite strikers. That may change under Mikel Arteta's system. But there yeah. has to be an explanation again of what's his role? Is he the number one striker at the football club? How does he interact with Aubameyang or Lacazette and so on? And then what's the system? Who else might come in plus the wages? 
And then I think that Arsenal would be in a prime position. But first, they need to be able to talk directly to the player. And at the mm. moment, Edu's challenge is not that he doesn't have a green light internally within the football club. He does. There's definitely the approval to make the bid, to improve upon the bid. But if the agent's putting up a wall and the player's cold because he's not sold on the vision and the strategy of the football club in the future then Arsenal are going to be going around in circles, at which point they can either wait until the summer or if they desperately want another striker now, they need to look at other options. I think one of the biggest barriers for some fans to kind of jump on the back of the Vlaovic train is is this idea that he himself may not be too keen on on the move. What you said there tells me that, that it's that's not necessarily the case, that actually... Arsenal would have a great opportunity at bringing in Vlaovic if they are able to, as you say, speak to the player. But this kind of barrier that's being put up by the agent at the moment is preventing that from happening. So would you say that it's it would be a mistake of, say, someone who's on the fence about the idea of Arsenal signing Vlaovic that actually it's not worth shutting him out because of the idea that he may not be so keen on the move because actually... Arsenal just haven't been able to, at this moment in time, be able to sell him the project that they're looking to achieve. I think if you take away all of the variables and you simply say Vlaevic is a player, does he want to move from Fiorentina to Arsenal if that's an option? Of course, it's a step up. Mm. That gives him the opportunity to play Champions League football, go to a larger club with a tremendous fan base on a great wage. So he's obviously not, in theory, going to be against that. But... It's simplifying the situation. However, I do understand that the player directly doesn't see Arsenal as his number one destination. That's not to say that you can't have three or four clubs that you'd love to join. And maybe, as I said before, down to having a preferred league or feeling that he's young and wants to move to a club he's more familiar with before making the move to the Premier League. I think that the biggest concern of the player is not dismissing Arsenal because he doesn't like Arsenal. It's dismissing Arsenal because it's not the right club for his career. So if he doesn't want to talk to Arsenal, if he has no interest in negotiating with Arsenal, that's probably not going to be down to the fact Arsenal can't give him a great wage or a decent life in London. But it may well be down to the fact that he's settled at Fiorentina. He's happy to play on until the summer. He's in red hot form. And then there's an element of ego as well. So what will irk Arsenal fans the most is having said all of that, the final point to make is that it's the opposite of that scenario I gave a moment ago in the sense the reality is that there's lots of suitors circling. There's at least three serious suitors right now. Juventus and Arsenal leading the way as far as making inquiries and putting bids together. And then in a tier below that, Atletico Madrid at formative stages of assessing whether they may consider an offer this January And then you have the kind of speculative, hyped up on social media names, Manchester United and Newcastle, where there's no genuine links. But then you have the summer team circling. And Mm. those include Inter, even though they at the moment don't have a great deal of money to spend and potentially one or two other names in La Liga that perhaps with this kind of form, if he adds another 15 or 16 goals, so then you're talking about effectively pushing back-to-back calendar years where he scored 30-plus goals. And he's already coming off the back of 2021 where he equaled Ronaldo's record for scoring goals in Serie A. So he believes he's at his absolute peak, but he's not hit the age where you would normally associate a striker 
being at their best. So he would probably also argue he's only going to get better as well. So as a footballer, he's entitled, in my opinion, and my understanding is that he's of this disposition to be a bit arrogant and not dismiss Arsenal, but wait for what he considers to be his dream club. And that's not to dismiss Arsenal. It's just to say that Arsenal is not your dream club right now. Arsenal has that history and potential to be your dream club. But the only way you're a dream club is if you're guaranteed Champions League football next season, if you're guaranteed to be a contender to win the Champions League, if you own players at the moment like Mbappe or Messi, etc., Haaland and so on. And Arsenal aren't quite there. They could be there. And that's not being disrespectful to the fan base. But that's not what they are. So if he was to rank them, he probably isn't putting Arsenal in the most appealing tier, which means that if he's being really greedy, he can bide his time and see whether somebody who does tick a few more boxes comes along. And I don't think it's all down to the agents. My understanding is the player as well is reticent about a move to Arsenal, but has not dismissed it entirely. Yeah, I think that's going to be one of the big things that a lot of fans struggle to kind of get on board with. This one did a tier ranking system of kind of all the players that have been linked to Arsenal so far. And one of those tiers was I would personally steer clear. And I put Vlaovic in that in that tier because of my own hesitancy around his view of, you know, the idea of him to Arsenal. Because I think that Mikel Arteta specifically has talked in the past. He did an interview with Ian Wright famously about how uh, if he finds it's difficult to persuade a player to join the club, he himself becomes a little bit hesitant about going for that player kind of full throttle. Um, interestingly, to jump into the chat box, because a lot of people tuning in live, there's over 700 of you watching. Please do drop a like on the video if you haven't done so already and subscribe to the Guna Talk and drop Ben a follow on Twitter at Jacobs Ben to keep up to date with all of the latest on this and many other stories as well with CBS Sports. Um, Tom Sabo asking, what are the agents looking for for themselves? And do you think there's an element of Arsenal will need to offer kind of the intermediary fee at a significant level for that route, as you said, where there being a barrier to maybe open up to get to Vlaovic? I think the agent take home is a good question will be relatively similar, whatever deal Mm. happens. But fundamentally, the agent is more inclined to facilitate offers that are cash only. And that's not to say that Arsenal wouldn't be prepared to change the dynamic of their bid to get the player. But I think the agent is thinking about the transfer in really three different ways. One, if we're being the most cynical, how much they're going to get and whether there's other clubs that may be able to offer 70 or 80. And then two, the actual player welfare. And if Vlaovic feels that it's more beneficial to remain settled and stay at Fiorentina until the summer, that Mm. may also allow him to have a prolific second half of the season. And then even though six months or so have passed, does that actually increase the transfer fee further and then again, benefit the player, Fiorentina and the agent. So that's probably the second aspect. And then the third factor is just the player himself. So, you know, the agent is going to get a bad rap. They always do. But the agent very rarely, sometimes, of course, and those tend to be the ones that make the back pages, but usually the agent is reflecting the player's views. So if you hear the agent speak and then you say the player has a completely different belief you are to some extent living in a dreamland because Mm. 
good agent is not going to say, oh, he's got limited interest in Arsenal or it's not his top choice, whether on or off record to people, if actually the player thinks the complete opposite, unless, of course, it's a tactic to try and get Arsenal to come back even stronger. But as you've alluded to, Mikel Arteta and Edu are very pragmatic, perhaps even to their detriment in the sense that they don't seem to want to play the game, especially in January, with momentum at least on the field, in Arsenal's favour and the ability to spend bigger in the summer, especially if they qualify for the Champions League. They don't want to chase after sagas that are going to last all of January and require four, five, six offers. Sometimes you need that persistence. I mean, mm. look at Stephen Gerrard with Coutinho. Four or five Premier League clubs were circling and Gerrard made three calls, as I understand it, in the final 48 hours before signing him with Brendan Rodgers at Leicester, also with a direct connection from their days at Liverpool, mm. also circling and trying to get him. And then other football clubs in the mix, just leaving their bids around and seeing what happens. So sometimes you actually have to get your hands dirty. And I'm not saying follow the player and beg or go old school like Brian Clough yeah, yeah. drive up the motorway. But sometimes you have to just accept that to get the offer on a table you can play the games, you can go through the bureaucracy, you can talk to the club, the agent and the player. But then once your offer is there, you can't control what other suitors do. So then you have to make sure that you show that personal touch to get the deal over the line, because it might be marginal factors that end up determining what final destination a player picks. Uh, earlier on in the show, you, you talked about how Arsenal have kind of accelerated the idea of bringing in Vlaovic as a player that they thought they would be going for in the summer. Um, but obviously the opportunity that's become available and the fact that they're in a race for the Champions League, maybe unexpectedly so, because I think most people expected Arsenal to be looking at a top six chase and getting back into Europe rather than being so strong for the top four this year, which has come as a, a welcome surprise for Arsenal supporters. Um do you think there's any oppor any chance, uh, and this is going slightly away from Vlaovic, that if, say, a protracted saga, as you just mentioned, is not something they want, and it's actually something I wrote about earlier for Football London about that's making the, the kind of the Locatelli mistake again, where they spent a lot of time chasing Locatelli in the summer when he wasn't a player that they were going to go and able to, to be got because he wanted to go to Juventus. He wasn't that interested in a move to Arsenal, but they spent a lot of time Xhaka nearly left for Roma, didn't. And in the end, they, they ended up with just Sambi Laconga as their midfield kind of reinforcement when they really needed to go for that next level up of midfielder. Do you feel like Arsenal would have like a cutoff point during the window? And do you think if they reach that, they would then go, go for one of those other strikers that they've been linked to? And Isaac, although he did get injured and come off injured for Sociedad today, or a Calvert-Lewin or a, you know, a Jonathan David, one of these types of strikers? I think they need reinforcements in January. It's as simple... Mm that and it's kind of ironic in the example that you just gave that the two mm -hmm. midfielders that you mentioned uh, suddenly Arsenal's go-to at the moment because of the likes of the AFCON players or mm -hmm. Maitland Niles all departing at the moment so Arsenal are thin and if on top of that midfield urgency you then factor in the possible departures of Aubameyang and Nketiah, it's very difficult to think how Arsenal, even though they're not going to let everybody go before getting in replacements, it's tough to compute how Arsenal will continue the momentum into the second half of the season without bringing in a goal scorer and obviously and urgently 
midfielders as well. And sometimes I think fans who don't understand the window assume that when there's a target or a saga, it's eating up that time and energy like their football club can't multitask. And it doesn't work like that. And usually you're actually planning two transfer windows ahead. So Arsenal being more organised than most, even if fans don't always see that or believe that, will have targets lined up and provisions because of both AFCON and needing short-term cover and then longer-term goals and strategies that actually they've been gunning for over the course of the last two windows. But I do think that the Aubameyang fallout plus Nketiah will force Arteta to do something in this January transfer window. So then when you look at the names, as you've already alluded to, Isaac injured at the moment, but probably no big deal. And then Dominic Calvert-Lewin, I think, is on the radar, but definitely not the number one priority. And Vlaevic remains the lead target. Jonathan Mm. Davis isn't coming anywhere in January. He's only leaving in the summer. So it'd be interesting if Arsenal don't get Vlaevic if then when they head into the summer, they're split between David and Vlaevic, which one they go for. And that's a really interesting debate because I think that David is sensational Mm. and any club in the Premier League should be taking him in a heartbeat. But I don't think any club or Arsenal in this case is going to get Vlaevic and David because of the financial outlay and the amount of suitors circling both of them. So I think it's an impossible situation to assume that they are each a target in a respective window. So if you get Vlaevic, you give up on David and vice versa. If you don't get Vlaevic, you may as well then focus on David in the summer and look for short-term cover in the January transfer window. And that's perhaps when Dominic Calvert-Lewin comes into the mix. With Nketiah, Arsenal should be fighting to keep him because that is another body and a young, talented striker. With a Bamiyang, you've got to somehow change the role, the attitude, and I think that relationship is too fractured. So even though, again, post-AFCON, if he has a decent one, and let's assume he plays because at the moment Mm. there's the COVID positive to factor in as well, but can that revitalise him? Could it put him in a new environment where he scores goals, where he gets a feel-good factor, where he comes back to Arsenal hungry? I think it's... Unlikely, I think, to be honest with you, even though there's nothing definitive yet that's going to happen imminently and AFCON will delay things, that's a lost cause for me. And Arsenal's challenge with getting in the Champions League is really about ensuring that the off-field antics and dynamics and egos and players that don't want to be there and then the impact of COVID and injuries don't derail them because they're actually doing well enough on the field. So January then becomes pivotal because when I look at what they've got ahead of them after the FA Cup, you've obviously got a chance to get to a final in the two-legged affair against Liverpool. You've then got a London derby in the middle of the month, then the other EFL Cup semi-final because it's been moved. And then suddenly this whole winnable run to close out the month and start February, Burnley, Wolves, and then I think it's Brentford and Watford. So suddenly get into the February, March period, if you can come through the next two or three tricky fixtures in the league and the cup with, again, even more momentum and Mm. suddenly starting to look at points tallies and probably have your fate in your own hands. 
But if you close the January transfer window, you get knocked out of the cup and you lose the North London derby and you mm. don't get Blaevic, the whole complexion changes. And then people start to wonder about what's Aubameyang going to be like when he comes back, if he's still at the club. And Arteta comes under a bit of criticism and there's discontent about having a bad window. So I think at the back of Edu's mind, there's a real test now with Arteta mm with him because Arsenal needs something marquee to solidify where they are in the league and to add much needed depth because if on paper they have that depth there's no reason why they can't continue the form from the first half of the season even though there's been drama even though there's been fallouts even though there's been injuries and even though they're really lacking in those midfielders Mm. they're still where they are so if they have depth and just one bit of quality in midfield minimum and one goal scorer to add to the mix, even if it just limps them through in a bandage way until the summer, at that point, I think they're favourites for Champions League football. But a bad window and a bad January, mm. and certainly the wheels could fall off very quickly. I think it's interesting now you talked about Arsenal there and, and, and the context around the club at the moment. And we talk about how good things have been since Aubameyang's been dropped. Arsenal, I think, have scored 20 goals since Lacazette's been moved into the middle. Um but the issue is, is with him there, if a Bamiyang situation is untenable and he's there's no route back for him to the first team, even if, say, Lacazette gets injured, then you are left with Nketiah, who could also leave this winter with Crystal Palace interested, Brighton, and I'm aware that Bayer Leverkusen and Schalke are also interested in him. There's a number, and I'm sure there are plenty of other clubs in the, in, in the ring as well for him. So that would then leave you with Balogun, who looks like he's going to Middlesbrough on loan, uh, almost certainly. So mm-hmm. suddenly, you're a Lacazette injury away from a disaster, and if you don't bring a striker in, it could look very, very difficult. And as you alluded to in midfield, there could also be problems. Last question, Ben, before we wrap up. You mentioned midfields. Um, I know that you're very much focused on the Vlaovic chase at the moment, but it's is there anything in regards to a midfield kind of signing that either you've heard about or there are expectations about? Because as, as we've learned today, Arsenal are supposedly interested in Danilo from Palmeiras, which is uh, an interesting link that's not popped up on, on my radar whatsoever. And there was also some links with, I believe it's, it's Richie, Ricky uh, at uh, Empoli as well, who's also been mentioned. But is there anything in the midfield line, Ben, that you've heard about? Yeah, there's some substance to Danilo, and I've made some early inquiries about that one. No offer made, but definitely a player that Arsenal have been tracking. The ones a bit close to home that are quite interesting. So starting with the negative things, first of all, like Mikel Arteta has already confirmed there'll be no Jack Wiltshire returning and not really the kind of player or position necessarily that Arsenal are desperately looking for. A defensive midfielder, a box-to-box midfielder is probably the first and foremost target. And Wiltshire obviously does fall into some of those categories, but just not quite the right mould or age or fit, I think, for Mikel Arteta as he sees it in his system. Mm. And that's the same for Aaron Ramsey as well, as I understand it and have said many times that he won't be returning to Arsenal And unless you're really sentimentalist, I think most Arsenal fans will be fine with both of them not returning. So Danilo is one to look at for sure. There's obviously been a lot of talk as well regarding Lille's midfielder, Bruno Gimerez, who is supposedly a key target for Edu in particular, but also a player that Mikel Arteta is a big fan of. That's going to require a bid well in excess of £40 million, if not more. And it looks like that could be a stumbling block for Arsenal. I think that there's a low likelihood of that happening at the moment. 
But again, as the window progresses and depending on who comes in and how Arsenal fare with other spending, it won't be entirely off their radar. But if I was a betting man, I don't see that one happening, unfortunately, for Arsenal. I think that you'll see growing talk about links between Arsenal and Villa's Douglas Luiz, who is a midfielder that I've been really impressed by this season. And what's sort of interesting about him is that he's got great discipline and composure on the ball. And because Villa play a 4-3-3 and they allow Buendia to drop deep, it means that Luis can kind of stay in defensive midfield and make quick positive passes and win a lot of 50-50s and then move the ball forwards quickly. And then if a striker like Vlaevic was to come in, you've got a target man. He's sort of six foot two, six foot three, but somehow mm. he feels bigger. And if you've yeah. got midfielders that have got vision, move the ball forwards quickly, even if they're simple passes, as long as they're positive ones, then that would really play into his game because he likes the ball at feet. And if the same passes are going out wide, he's obviously a good target as well. And I think that Luis falls into that category. And then, of course, Arsenal have been vaguely linked with the Lille midfielder Renato Sanchez as well. Barcelona seemingly want Sanchez, but Barcelona are in such a mess and they're finding players that they can't even start, like Torres at yeah. the moment. And then they're allegedly saying that they're in for Haaland and others, even though that's all being denied and Haaland's not going to be leaving in January. So mm. that's probably just a little bit of paper talk, but maybe a player that is on Arsenal's radar as well. But, you know, one thing's for sure, Arsenal need midfielders, defensive midfielders, box-to-box midfielders. And I expect Mikel Arteta to move quickly and decisively in conjunction with Edu to find a minimum of two during this window, whether permanent or loan deals. And maybe the final name to mention, which is quite interesting, and I say this reluctantly because I am a Leicester fan, is that there's kind of growing talk, speculative still, and again, no move made that Arsenal are keeping half an eye on Yuri Tielemans. Mm. And those that have followed the club through the Wenger years will be raising their eyebrows because Arsenal were consistently linked with Leicester players like Jamie Vardy, who Wenger did almost sign, and Riyad Mahrez, who Wenger flew all the way to Hollywood to go and watch in a game between Leicester and PSG in the International Champions Cup, only to find that he couldn't land Riyad Mahrez. But the difference is that Leicester's ownership group with their star players, and I'm sure lots of Arsenal fans, by the way, are fans of Wilfred and Diddy. There's no links there, Mm. but that would be a good signing for Arsenal too. I think that Leicester have waned in form, which means in theory, their players might be marketable and willing to make the move. But the difference perhaps between Arsenal's past with Leicester and now is that Tielemann's contract is starting to run down and there's been no new deal. And he was speculatively linked with Liverpool a few months back. And there's no truth in that whatsoever. Liverpool are not interested in him. No bid, not looking at him. Definitely not on their radar for January. But I don't see Tielemann staying at Leicester. And if they want a fee for him, somebody has the opportunity to come in for him in January with a big offer and try and wrestle him. And he wants to stay in the Premier League. So something will depend on that as to whether Brendan Rodgers and Leicester are just bullish and historically 
Leicester have commanded big fees and been very stringent, even if they end up losing their players for nothing. If they want to keep a player, they keep a player. And when they sell a player like Harry Maguire to Manchester United, it's for absolutely insane fees. So there's nothing that concrete yet between Tielemans and Arsenal. But I just think as a Leicester fan and knowing the Tielemans backdrop and that there's a good chance that he could go somewhere in January, that could be a close-to-home option that might benefit Arsenal if they choose to explore it. And even though it would be an outside chance, I don't want to like overhype it and create mm. fake speculation when there is nothing there. But I do know that Arteta admires Tielemans. So it's just one to watch to see if it gathers any pace over the coming two or three weeks. It's going to be an interesting and I think surprising January uh, for Arsenal. One that I don't think many people expected Arsenal to go as heavy as some of the links that we're seeing are. Um, it does feel from a lot from what you've said, it's a case of one or the other in regards to the the kind of level of investment in either position. And if it's one, it's likely that either a loan or a low investment will be made in the other position. The other midfielder that, that, that we've been aware of is Matthias Fanberg at Bologna as well, who's been linked with Arsenal only very kind of loosely. I think it was a, a small Italian outlet that reported that originally. Um, and also Ginny Vijnaldum at PSG as, as a possible loan deal too. But uh, it's uh, been very, very interesting, Ben, listening to what you've got to say on the club's uh, future. If uh, there is any major updates on this uh, I'll endeavour and I'm sure the listeners will appreciate me endeavouring to try and get you back on towards the end of the window maybe but thank you again Ben for for jumping on and do tell people where they can find you and what you're going to be up to yeah absolutely and great catching up and good luck to mm. Arsenal in the second half of the season except for the one game you play against <laughs> Leicester obviously by the way Arsenal was superb at the King Power Stadium probably one of the best performances of the season but yeah throughout mm. the second half of the season and obviously 2022 I've remained at CBS and you can find me at Jacobs Ben on Twitter. And we will do a range of content from transfer news over the course of the next month to some longer form investigations and documentaries that I'm working on in 2022. So I walked through the door at CBS and actually was asked to make a documentary looking back at Leicester's Premier League winning season, oh, which perfect. I love because other than beating us at the Emirates Stadium in a pivotal game where everyone thought the tide had turned, Leicester hung on and that proved to be a disappointing season for Arsenal because you ended up obviously fading away and Leicester surprisingly cruised to that mm. and Spurs ended up being the big challengers. But nonetheless, um, I'll be making some documentary content and some human interest stories and I'll continue to keep across any of the transfer news that I hear of. And I think as well, I always say this to fans, you know, when mm. you look at social media, it's very easy to take something out of context or it's the natural thing to kind of see competing stories or not know who to trust. And I think most of us are very approachable as journalists and we'll try and reply where we can and we'll try and give you the full picture. But transfer windows change fluidly quickly and clubs play mind games players do agents do so it's a difficult time as a journalist to try and piece it all together and hopefully i've been able to give you the context and tell this story to the best of my knowledge and as i said right at the very beginning hopefully arsenal can land that midfield cover and that flagship striker and finish in the top four Thank you, Ben. Uh, you've received a lot of love in the chat box and I've been very appreciative to your efforts today. So thank you again. Do go give Ben a follow on Twitter at Jacobs. Ben, he'll be keeping you all up to date with the continuing story with Valvich and, and of course any other links with Arsenal as well. I'll be joining you all tomorrow morning as per for our daily 8am transfer update show. It's been an absolute pleasure as always to tune in with you and we'll see you again very, very soon. And as always, 
up to the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quinn's is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.